Computer, initialize Holosuite. Holosuite Media. Let us see what the future holds. Hello, friends. Welcome once again to What the Future Holds, your Star Trek Discovery podcast here on Hollow Sweet Media. I am Brandy Jackola. I am one host. There are two others. The next host I'm going to introduce is our good friend, Christopher D. Littlefield. Chris, how are you? Hello, friends. I'm very well. I'm blessed and happy. Hope you are too. Oh. Dave, so how lovely. are you? Oh, well, <laughs> am I? I'm slightly out of phase, so I might be in and out every once in a while because I'm experiencing a little bit of lag. So if I go, uh, what? CME. Huh? What'd you say? That that would be me. Star did you get? Did you get boimed? I got I got sun burped while I was warping into the seed cell, so the seed vault. Mm. Okay. Well, I, I thought you'd been boimed up. I might have been boimed up, except I'm not making the noise anymore, so that's good. Boing. <laughs> that noise <laughs> which i imagine every listener has enjoyed me doing that i want to see that happen in a live action that episode be <laughs> that would be so right? hilarious they could do that now with the technology of visual effects that we have they could totally do that but now i'll just yeah. be linus appearing everywhere oh yeah please let it be linus <laughs> <Boink. laughs> new badge this isn't the mess hall yes um uh, star trek it saved my life today. Today was a very long day, mm. and I had a hard time just coping at work. And someone on Facebook had posted a link to a YouTube video, which was of an orchestra performing in, I think it was Poland, if I remember right. And they it was basically a, a Star Trek music concert. Ooh. So they had music from all of the different series and a lot of the movies. And it was probably about an hour something long. Mm. And I just I was just like, oh, it was so beautiful. They did so well. And it just warmed my heart. Send me the link. I will. Yeah. I you know, absolutely I, will. When I was in high school, we did a Star Trek medley in band for a concert. Oh, that's cool. And mm. it was like, uh, it was high school. So it was the original series, TNG DS9. I don't believe Voyager had started yet. No, it hadn't. And, it was, and I played, because I, I was in the percussion section at the time, but because I'm a pianist, I played keyboard and stuff. So it was so fun. Like I played the harp stuff, the little flourishes and... It was awesome. And then we also did, I think there was another concert I did, I did many years later as an adult in which I played piano for another Star Trek symphonic music movie thing. And I know England does that with the Doctor Who. They call them a prom. Is that they'll... Why did they call them a prom? I don't know why they call it a prom, but just they get the orchestra together and they'll play segments of doctor who and they'll get some of the doctor who actors on to participate nice yeah well this orchestra was really really good mm. like really good was it like and warsaw 
Uh, I don't remember. I, I'm going to have to look it up now because I just mm. don't remember. And now that I've mentioned it, I have to look it up. So, uh, oh, I'm sorry. <clears throat> it was Prague. It was Prague. Oh, Czechoslovakia, right? Well, it's, it's not Czechoslovakia anymore. <laughs> Isn't it? The Czech Republic. The Czech Republic, that's right. Czech Republic. Right, the Czech Republic. And this was, this was actually for... <laughs> Can I finish the sentence? Yes, I had to make that joke. Thank you. You did. This was on the 11th of February, 2016. So it was the 50th year of Star Trek. Ooh, Ooh. nice. And so obviously no Discovery music, but they did all of the main themes from the television series, except for Next Generation, because Next Generation's theme is the same as the motion picture. Thieves. Did they do Enterprise? So, no. Okay. Because it's not an orchestral right. thing. Right. Well, so, the ending credits were. I love that. It's been a long road. Yeah. The Enterprise end credits, I thought, are so cool. I think it's... But yeah, um, so check cool. it out. It's just check called it out. Star Trek Concert. <laughs> Would you like to host Dave? No. Hey, you asked me on here. <laughs> it's a coup. You knew the risks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is a so coup. It's basically. I refuse to concede. About... Okay. <laughs> All right, I'm stopping. Okay, I've got to sit back. No, yeah. I'm done. Coup. I can't. I can't finish my thoughts. So let's just move on. All right. So scavengers. Let's talk it's about be one that. One of those shows. <laughs> Kidding, kidding. Yeah, you guys think I'm just going to take your breadcrumbs and try to finish the thing? That No, I'm wise to you now. Hey, I haven't done you anything, really. You lost it. No, I'm, I'm just not egging Dave on. <laughs> See, that's part of the problem, is you egging him on. He doesn't need any more encouragement than he already has. So, Dave, you have to come back closer to your microphone. We're going to discuss the episode now. I know, I haven't anything to say yet, so... <laughs> Okay. Once we get into the episode, then I'll talk. So, I did say something about so Linus. Scavengers. The scavengers. Let's talk scavengers. about scavengers. Where do you want to start? Because I don't even know where to start. I know, right? Well, I was going to say, I, I'll start here. I think that this reminded me a lot of episode one. Mm. We went back to that kind of pew pew rescue jailbreak. Yes, it's very uh, action heavy. At least the stuff yeah. off the um, Discovery art is action heavy. Mm-hmm. We got book back. I'm happy about that. We get to see Grudge yeah. do a yeah. Zoom call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Grudge apparently didn't know where the camera was when it started. <laughs> yeah. She found it, though. She did find it. Well, it's yeah. funny because it seemed like she was moving back a paw or something from actually turning it on. That is it actually did look like that. You are correct. Mm-hmm. So is it that same kind of alien cat race from Captain Marvel? Yeah, the the Flurgan. Oh my gosh, or whatever they're called. Flurgan, yeah, Flurgan, Flurgan, Flurgan. Yeah, I don't think that that's what Grudge is, but okay. Nah, sometimes a yeah. cat is just a cat. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes a cat is just <laughs> a cat. Okay, so let's actually before we even get into the story, there was a guest star in this episode that I was not aware of. Uh, who he was. Oh, yeah. And so... I found out yesterday. Yeah, I found out yesterday, too. I thought he looked vaguely familiar, but I couldn't really place him. And if I had paid more attention to the credits and seen his name, I absolutely would have known who he was. But it was Mary Wiseman's husband, Noah, playing yes. Rin the Andorian. Mm-hmm. And that just makes me so happy. And if anybody... 
is curious as to how big of a Star Trek nerd he is, just go find him on Twitter. And he made a compilation video of some of his Trek moments throughout his life. A lot of them taking place with his mom. Yeah, he he's amazing. I had no idea he was such a Trek fan. I know. It's just like the most adorable thing ever. Super I commented on his IG because he put a time lapse of his makeup. Yes. And I commented, you're an amazing Andorian. And he, he messaged me. He Well, he didn't message me, but he replied and was like, thank you. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. He's very interactive. He replied to he's me. He's real excited about it. Yeah. And rightly so, because he was oh, yeah. really good. <laughs> he was really he was good. Really good. And I felt for him immediately. You know? uh-huh. So it was just, I loved that he got to be on the show. And and yeah. I'm so happy that Rin didn't die because I was just like, oh, well, he's dead. And then he survived. I know. I was, I so didn't want him to die. I'm so glad he didn't. I know. I just, I just thought, please, please don't do the typical thing where the good guy mm-hmm. that's been labeled as the bad guy dies. Please don't do Again. that. Again. And then right. they didn't. He survived. I was mm-hmm. so happy. I love that they're, they're creating all this space for like real couples in Star yeah. Trek lately. I know. You know, Sinequa and Kenrick and um, Rebecca Romaine and uh, Jerry O'Connell. Jerry. Yeah. I love it. Yes. It, it warms my heart. Especially because there is room for all of those things. Speaking of, do you think the Andorian uh, Rin will stay on board the Discovery and maybe start a relationship with Mary? <laughs> with uh, Tilly? <laughs> That'd be cute. I don't think she has time for that. Oh, yeah, because she's. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Oh, that's right. Spoiler. Maybe she's not yep. going. Oh, what? Uh, uh, maybe yep. she's going. Uh, she, if she's not going through her musician phase still. Yeah, well, she she was the soldier thing did come back because that's what happened after um, Tyler gave his speech in Magic mm-hmm. to Make the Sanest Man Go Mad, which was actually the most recent ed- episode broadcast on CBS last night. So oh. my mom had to talk to me extensively about that. Which I love that my mom's finally watching Discovery. Right. It's just the cutest thing ever. I think it's awesome. Yep, she's loving it. She is loving it. And then she had to ask me about Harry Mudd. She says, I know he was in the original series, and didn't he do this? And I'm like, no, no, no. That was something else completely, Mom. He was the one who was taking a bunch of women to a bunch of minors to basically sell them as brides. And she's like, oh, yeah, that guy. (laughs) And then the second time that he showed up, he had a lot of robots. Anyway, so... It was it's fun having those conversations with my mom. I like that. Me too. But we've always been a Trek family. So it's a good thing. All right, so let's let's get to the meat of this. Um Discovery is now really in Starfleet again and being set aside for the most important missions that require the quickest response time. Which kind of leaves them in limbo a little bit because there's just kind of like prepared, but is something going to happen? Yep, they have the circle of all the different mm-hmm. captains and commanders and what have you uh, to give orders. It's the little fellowship of the rings moment. <laughs> they're all <laughs> give, being a little bit of jealousy yeah, assigned too. what yeah. they're going to do. Okay, you got to go make sure these people have replicators so they can eat. So that's about eight months travel. Yeah, and we have detached nacelles, and yeah, we have an the A refit. now. Right. The refit. The yep, there's refit. an A. I was getting yeah. to that. Yeah. What do y'all think about the A? I I'm I'm concerned that it's not. It was just a refit or a retrofit, and not a brand new ship. Well, 
considering that all of its systems have been replaced and or upgraded and the outer hull and everything has undergone a massive transformation yes it still looks like the same ship but it is not the same ship (laughs) so i am okay with them having that a on there i didn't actually notice that the first time we watched it i didn't either but i've headcanoned it i have a headcanon explanation for it okay so since the federation since starfleet has been like totally basically decimated there's been no new ships made they've been out of contact with most of the other planets and species and everything there hasn't been an upgrade or brand new ship built in like 150 years so there's some some guy that was like oh my god can we please put the a can we please put the a like has been dying to do that for his whole life or her whole life or their whole life and they were like okay fine just put the damn a on it Uh, There's another podcast called The Derelict that talks about science fiction and spaceships, and it's hosted by Andy Palastides, and he hates the letter designation, the A, B, C, D, E, F, hates Ah, it. I love it. (laughs) Well, that's that's sad for him. Yeah, it's like, that's the only person I know of that gets upset about the whole A, C, B, D thing. Yeah. Oh, and here's another reason why it's okay to put the A on it, because Mm -hmm. in Federation and Starfleet records, the discovery was destroyed. Yeah, that was the other thing I thought of, too. Mm -hmm. So it's a record keeping. So they can't say. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's all for the clerics, the, you know, the clerks on on board. (laughs) It's for the paperwork. paperwork. Yeah. They don't want to. It's like we can't have two starships of the same name. It's just doesn't work. So add the A. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They don't really have paper, but that's yeah. fine. Okay. The, um, the, what is it? The iPad work. <laughs> it's not an iPad. <laughs> it's a pad, a personal, uh, something data device. I can't remember what the A stands for. Okay. Application. Oh, <clears throat> probably. Assistant. Sure. Oh, how about the new badges that, work as everything thoughts on the badges they're kind of cool they're like uh, the new iphone it's like they got (laughs) everything it's like okay you can use them as tricorders you can use them as their little personal computer you can use them as a communicator which nobody's going to do now they're all going to text that's the way iphones work (laughs) nobody calls anybody anymore oh yeah but they do call each other they're still you know calling people to report to wherever and whatever right but um do you like them brandy i want to know what you think about the badges i'm gonna have to get used to the ovals yeah it's weird for me okay i agree um it's there's still the delta on it but it just yeah it's a little bit weird right now i don't hate them by any stretch of the imagination and i think all of their functions are really cool what do you think about the rank being on them uh the rank was on them before no Oh, uh, yeah. wasn't it just the no. designation? No. On the badges, there were pips on the badges designating rank. Of the Discovery ones? Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. Well, definitely not on the other ones in between Discovery and now. No, but on Discovery <clears throat> from season one, they had the little pips on the badges. Mm. And when you see after they agree that Saru is going to be captain. If you get a close look at his badge, you'll see it has four pips on it. So. How did I never notice that? I don't, I don't know. I have a Section 31 badge. That's why, because they don't put them on those. Well, the, uh, none of the badges that I have are have pips on them. Hmm. They're all just pipless because they're not... 
they're they're just replicas you know they're for casual i don't know it's not for cosplay basically is what they're saying yeah. not not costume okay accurate not screen accurate so, mm-hmm. yeah not screen accurate yeah. as accurate as you can be but yeah without the pips so i'm sure someone could put pips on them if they were a metal worker but that's beside the point getting off track anyway yeah i love uh i love the detached nacelles i love how the uh the disc uh pizza cutter section is a little bit chunkier and mm. i just um it's 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 the same shit but it's pretty it's interesting fun. that the detached nacelles make it more maneuverable because they are detached how does that work because it's like how is it going to steer the ship if it's not attached to the ship well, I mean, there's clearly a field yeah. that's mm-hmm. keeping them together. And I don't care. Like, I'm just like, cool. I buy it. Whatever. It's awesome. How are they going to eagle mossify it, yeah. though? They that's will the have, question. Uh, I've already, I already know this because of my model of the Charon. Um, because you mm. know how the Charon has that little mycelial sun? There's a big mm-hmm. piece of clear plastic attached to the underside to make it look like it's floating there, but it's really not. Yeah. So that's what oh. they're going to do. Yeah, is they're going to have to have a, some clear plastic yeah. to make it look like they're nata- detached, but they're actually not. Cause... I didn't expect any of that to happen. So at the beginning of this episode, I was like so excited about it. Yeah, it was just, I love, again, the crew of Discovery discovering all of the things that their badge does. And it was fun to see Willa because Willa seemed like genuinely excited for them. Yeah, that's like, hey, it's like Christmas. Guess what else it can do? <laughs> and she and everybody was just so, oh, and Tilly, of course, just immediately was very into it mm-hmm. and just was trying out everything. <laughs> and it seemed like the next scene we see her in, she's a pro already. Yeah, yeah. Linus, however, yeah, <laughs> not doing so great on the transporting. Wasn't there another one that, that asked, "Do we really need this?" I think it was Detmer. Uh, I think it was Detmer and. Uh, and our good friend Bryce is like, hell yeah, we need this. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. I enjoyed that very much. And they well, so. they fitted their stations, too. Mm-hmm. So they mm-hmm. have the programmable they, the interfaces are like, as well. Yeah, and it's like intuitive yeah. interfaces and personalized to the person. Mm-hmm. Super mm-hmm. cool. And while we're talking about that, let's talk about the sp- Spore drive interface. Okay. That Adira basically reconfigured for Stamets so he wouldn't have to use the shunts anymore. I liked her sitting down working with the stuff, talking mm-hmm. to Gray alone in a corner. It was just kind of a nice moment. And Gray asking her, now, why aren't you making friends? You know, why, why aren't we creating other memories? Well, and not only that, he was saying... I've only, mm-hmm. you know, we've been on this huge ship and there's places like, there's a bocce and there's a racquetball court. And all I've seen is where you eat, sleep, and work. <laughs> and oh. yeah, Those are vital functions. That. <laughs> and heaven only knows what she was doing in, uh, in the floor. Um, so, yeah. uh, but she obviously knows what she's doing. And so nanogel. Now he gets to stick his hands yeah. in nanogel. And without residue, without residue. Yeah. comes right off. And I love how he's just so surprised 
this like what is this Mm -hmm. and then sticks his hands and it has to have one thing to complain about which is how it's kind of gooey and then she's like no the residue will come right off no residue and he pulls his hands out and and then he turns to her and he says very genuine thank you (gasps) yes I'm like I'm so glad to see Stamets like I feel like Adira's giving him a pathway to be a little bit more a little bit kinder get generally this big brother vibe like the organization and we get that scene later when she's at the table alone but she's talking to gray Mm -hmm. and stamets notices and comes over and they have that discussion and how he identifies with her because they both have the shared experience of having loved somebody who died but is still around and how unusual that is. Yeah. And we have our little queer family kind of bonding and expanding yes. and all of that, which yeah, I Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. It, it seems like, you know, the older generation, you know, the older queer generation reaching out and mentoring the younger generation that's just coming into it and discovering, you know, their own orientation. Is Do you think it's like a metaphor for that, for Adira's discovery? I see it the other way. Do? I see it as Adira mentoring Stamets more. Yeah, I see it. I was just going to say, I see it as going both ways. They have things to teach each other. Yeah. So it's, Mm -hmm. and I, I love them together. And I love that he keeps purposely talking with her and purposely checking on her. Like when she's in the Mm -hmm. mess hall and he sees Mm -hmm. her talking to no one. Yeah, And he doesn't immediately dismiss it out of hand. But of course, the things that he's seen, the things that he's done, of course, it's not going to sound crazy to him that Gray is still there. Yeah, but he can be very dismissive, too. Right. So he like, this be, was a big step for him. With what he went through in the mycelial network, he knows yeah. that there, and he even says that, he knows that there isn't just this life and death thing, that it, they're not absolutes. Mm-hmm. And I really, really loved that. And I love that he kind of has that little bit of mm. arrogance in common with mm. Gray that yes. we saw when we yeah. first met Gray um, before he died. And I, mm. I think that's really cool. So there's a little bit of, you know, that 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 personality within mm-hmm. Adira Tall also. And Adira then comes up with a way to get the shunts out of him. And, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, just, oh. And we get that scene with uh, him and Colbert together in bed talking about it. Oh my it. god, we're going to go to there? <laughs> oh my god. And just how effusant he is about Adira and how he's making this connection with her. Yeah. It's just very I, touching. That scene, like, mm-hmm. first of all, back in the pajamas, mm-hmm. which is when I felt yes. all of us fell in love with them. And like... To see two grown men in bed together, and it's not an oversexualized situation, and they're just a partners, they're a couple, and they're just doing what couples do, and I'm just like, yeah, just showing <laughs> oh my God. a normal night at home. Yeah, a kiss, you know. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, it was so good, but I did not cry in this episode. Uh, well, uh, I did. We'll get to that. Yes, especially the second time. <laughs> what? Yeah. The second, the second time, time it hit really me hit you hard. Oh, yeah. Mm. It's it took a while me to recover. Around. The Michael stuff? No. No. Not exactly. 
just stuff okay. about the Federation. Just, just yeah. we'll, we'll talk get about that. it in a bit. Not yeah. yet. Okay. I'm not ready yet. But yeah, um, I like that arc. You know, this that B plot, or I guess it would be the B plot of the Adira Stamets story. Mm, kind of, but not. It's there's yeah. kind of like I I feel like the A plot is Michael going rogue. And the everything yes. else that happens on Discovery while she's gone mm-hmm. is the B plot. Yeah, that's kind of what it felt like. Or is it the stuff going on with Philippa that's the B plot? Okay, so the... we've got three plots. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there. I mean, there are multiple plots. Yeah, there's okay, there's like there's like um, A B C D E plots going. It's a tapestry. Yeah, it's not like conventional yeah. storytelling, Star Trek storytelling yeah. anymore. So we have yeah. many arcs going at once and crisscrossing each other yeah. and. And that's that's actually what life is like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have no problem with that kind of storytelling. And we just check in on everything here yeah. and there, and occasionally we get thrown something new, maybe a little red herring there. Yeah. You know, I like it. I was really, again, always, but again, really impressed by Tilly and her insight. Because yes. when Saru comes to talk to her about Michael oh, being that gone, scene. and she says, you know, I love Michael more than anyone in, in the world, but she made a decision and now you don't have one. You have to tell the Admiral. Uh-huh. Th- that line, oh my God, she, because of her decision, she took away yours. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but that that was a very impactful line to me. Yeah. yeah. And that conversation brought us back to episode two mm-hmm. when Saru and Tilly had that ver- that other amazing scene when they're walking together. I love that they're getting to know each other better. I really, really do. Because Tilly, as you all well know, you know how much I love Tilly. And, of course, I just want to see her succeed. And I like it when people take her seriously and Saru takes her seriously. Yes. And in fact, he says, you know, I expected you to talk me out of it. And she says, yeah, so did I. Yeah. <laughs> and I like that she's like, I, I probably would have done the same thing. And Sarah's like, no, you wouldn't have. You mm-hmm. wouldn't have done that. You're a better officer than that. Or she's an ensign. I guess she's an officer. Yeah. Well, she, an ensign is an os- officer. Yep. I she's should know. She's awesome command training. An ossifer. Yeah. <laughs> ossifer. I'm not even drunk, you guys. I'm just really tired. I feel like Tilly should get a promotion. Like... Maybe she should be like acting. I mean, can she, could she go right to acting number one or something like that? Is that possible? <laughs> or is it too like, is it too like, maybe it that's too, too much of a jump and somebody like it should be someone else on the bridge or Kelvin like, Universe Captain Kirk? Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's possible. I feel like she's she's really proven her metal. Mm. So, you know, interesting. Yeah. Brandy's I can over neither there. confirm nor deny. Oh, good yep. God! <laughs> Any uh, action on Tilly's rank or future? Oh, oh Lord! Story. Speaking of Saru, do you think he was a little too dismiss- dismissive when Michael came with her mission parameters? I I don't feel like he was. I feel like he was being careful. Right, because that he was making assumptions that okay, we had this message brought to you by a cat. No, the admiral's not going to accept yeah. that. Yeah, I think I, I think it's just a matter of not knowing the admiral very well yet. Right. And I mean, at least reach out and make the offer and see if it gets declined or not. 
Right. He didn't even he, do that. What, what he was the most concerned about is that they had a very particular mission that could right. go at any second. Yeah, within the next 12 hours, I think. Yeah, but it could be any time mm-hmm. within the I feel next like 12 he, hours. Yeah, I feel like he was much more concerned about needing to prove mm-hmm. right. their, their themselves. I don't mm-hmm. think he's thinking of himself. I think he's thinking yeah. of the oh, no, entire no. ship and the entire crew yeah. proving themselves to Starfleet and to Vance. Well, from that, I get the impression that they're not being authentic to what the Discovery crew is. They're trying to be what's needed for the Starfleet hmm. as it is rather than who they are. Interesting. And I prefer Saru when he <laughs> he lives authentically, and I kind of miss that aspect of him. Well, he's finding his way as a captain. Right. You yeah, gotta I cut like him some slack. Yeah, I well, like he is a new captain. We haven't really perfect. seen that we before. We figured it all out. Yeah. 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 We've all only seen new captain. I mean, the closest thing is Cisco taking over Deep Space Nine. I think that's the closest we've ever had to somebody in a new command position. Yeah, but, but he was already but a commander. Cisco came with a lot yeah. of baggage and yeah. a very specific perspective with a lot of biases that were valid. Right. Um, I don't think Saru has that. No, yeah. he's very new to the position, and that's interesting. And I, the thing that is so amazing is that at the end, when they circled back to those decisions that they both made, is he's like, Admiral Vance brought up some good points. I have to think about what I did also. He is taking it, the responsibility that he could have made a better decision as well. And I love right. that. Yes. Yeah, well, he is not the same person that we saw when uh, Lorca was off the ship and he was put in command. He's mm. not the same commander. Mm. because He's not as neurotic, right? No, he's not nearly as neurotic. And that is due in part to not having the threat ganglia anymore, but also in part of just coming into his own and really understanding who he is, where he comes from, reconnecting with his people. All of those things, I think, have had a huge influence on his confidence, which is not to say that he is arrogant, because he's like the least arrogant captain I've ever seen. He is not like any other captain we've seen before. And I love that. It's not like he's a pushover, but he, well, he's definitely not, but he's not, he's just very, very different. Mm -hmm. Well, it seems like he's aiming to be a better captain than he is, but he's not sure how to do that. Well, he has to find his way. He's in a completely different time now with a completely different Starfleet, completely different galaxy. Mm -hmm. And so there are all of these things that he is navigating through as well as being a commanding officer and he doesn't I have I think it's a nice luxury. parallel to what Michael's going through is whether he belongs or not like where do you fit in to this puzzle mm-hmm. I mean what captain are you going to be Yeah and Michael's the same way is like she's stuck between is she this member of Starfleet is she this you know number one officer or is she this traveler courier type person you know where does she fit in this new universe well and he's not afforded the luxury to deal with his trauma the way that everybody else is like he this is why i feel like it was such a betrayal what michael did even though again we've talked about how discovery presents opposing 
situations that are both valid, even though they conflict with each other. But this right. is why it was so devastating to him because he was relying on her so much to help him. And he can't, he can't be in the same type of situation that Detmer is in, for example, yeah. right. because he's a captain now. So, you know, he's got to feel a lot more isolated than everybody else. And he even grants that Michael was kind of ambivalent regarding taking the number one officer role because she didn't know if she was right for it, if she, and you know that she would grow into the role. But apparently, that's not the case. Were y'all just like really disappointed in that seeing Michael do this kind of thing again? Uh, I was. I understand why she did it. Yeah, I was disappointed, but I was not surprised. I wondered if she had to do it with such urgency because once she goes through it we realize that she could have done this later mm. possibly that there wasn't a ticking clock situation necessarily to find book and retrieve this black box i'm really torn about this because yeah. i'm disappointed and i want to be mad at her but at the same time she has an entire year more than everybody else every single day she has been working on this so of course she's going to jump the opportunity but it's both right and wrong at the same time and it frustrates me that i can't decide how i feel about it well you'd like to bring up that this is a very emotionally intelligent program and we find out through a freudian slip that michael loves book because she's mm -hmm. talking to philippa on his ship and she's talking about you know that she just lived there and she said i just loved here you know, just right. a little Freudian slip to give away that she loves book. And I think that that emotion can override sometimes your reason. Even if she was you know, raised half Vulcan, is that her love for book, that she has to go rescue him. Because she doesn't yeah, know there's that too. what danger he is. Oh, is it oh, my sweet. turn to talk? <laughs> oh, that's why I was waiting. I was just looking at you like... I'm just um... frustrated. This episode frustrates me, to be honest. like it's, it's my least favorite episode so far, which might mean that I may like love it down the road when we get a few more episodes, but it frustrates me. It doesn't mean I don't love it, and, and it's, you know, it's a freaking Star Trek Discovery episode, so I'm like all about it, but it just... It, and I think that they're doing this on purpose. I think that they're screwing with us, you know? I think they want me to feel this way. I uh, I think that the lesson here is that sometimes there are things that have to be done. And unfortunately, it's not going to be all sunshine and roses for everybody. That doing what is right isn't necessarily... That doesn't mean that nobody gets hurt. That doesn't mean that somebody else doesn't get screwed over. There are consequences for all actions. So doing something wrong for the right reason, yeah, books alive, they got the data, but at the same time, she also damaged her relationship with Saru and with and the rest of the crew. Yeah, and so it can never be, like, if it were me and Saru, I would, I would be like, okay, this is like the third time, you know, I... I I know who you are. Our relationship is strictly professional now. I don't like the fact that she told him at the end, you're doing the right thing. I don't feel like she's, I feel like she hasn't earned the right to give him that. I feel like 
she i mean i like that it's written and that she did that but my reaction was you don't get to affirm that he's making the right decision you're don't you're not in a place to do that anymore i don't think that was coming from a first officer perspective i think that was coming from a family perspective she lost that i feel <laughs> like she's lost that and 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 i disagree i don't know just because I, if you... it were me okay let me say my thing yeah, okay. <laughs> Just because somebody you love does something professionally that you don't like, that reflects poorly on you, it doesn't mean that person is not family anymore. Family is stronger than that. And if it's not stronger than that, then you're not really family. Saru and Michael are still family, no matter what okay okay i i can't argue with that i i i i relate this i relate that to a specific thing that happened to me with some members of my family several years ago and uh, it was a situation in which i was kind of cut off from a couple people not my decision and i'm like okay well then if that's really how you feel then you don't really want you know deserve to be around me anyway if you can't love me at my low you know yeah but that's hmm. the thing interesting i i i that makes me change my view a little bit because you know if i were to do something in my job that got me in trouble with my boss that doesn't mean that he suddenly hates me as a person as well there's a difference between personal relationships and professional relationships and that's the tenuous thing that you have to navigate when you're serving on a ship because there's your work but you still have a personal life you still have bonds and if those bonds are true but don't you think it's like how many how many like is she gonna do it again like when i can't let you as close like okay yes they're still family right they they're obviously still love each other she made a decision that he disagreed with that upset him and her their relationship but like can it ever go back to what it was before it's gonna have to move to something different now right well relationships are always evolving no relationship stays the same all throughout time like the relationship that i have with dave is you know we've been married for over 23 years is our relationship exactly the same as when we got married hell no we've evolved We've gone through experiences, and so that's actually made our bond stronger. Sometimes adversity does make your bond stronger. True, yeah. I feel like I'm in therapy now. <laughs> <laughs> the series has that tendency, doesn't it? Right? Yeah. I hate it because I love Michael so much. Like, I love her. I love her so much, and I am the. I will be the first to defend her when people talk smack about her. And then it's, you know what? I'm I'm personalizing it. I This must be how Saru feels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think she's chaotic good. She wants to do the right thing, but to do it, she's going to bend or even break the rules. Mm-hmm. And that's just in her nature. It was back in her original mutiny. It's happening now. It's, it seems to be a repeated pattern that to do the right thing, she's going to do the wrong thing if that makes any sense do you think she's gonna resign her commission no 
No, I do not. I don't want her to. I do not. But I do also, but you know what also? I don't want her to have to be some like assimilated cookie cutter Starfleet type either. You know, like she's like she should be be that way. Right. (laughs) She should, if anything, there's like a commentary. I'm sorry, this I feel very passionately about this. Like don't apologize for passion. There's like she shouldn't have to change who she is in order to fit in to the mold of what Starfleet is. You know, she should be who Mm. she is. And then that should guide her toward how she can best serve herself and others. You know? Yes. Well, that's the thing, though, is that I think that she has realized that her role is not first officer. She cannot be that person because she has these other skills sometimes you need that person to go rogue but you can't sanction it and she's that person that will take on that burden and get her ass handed to her for it and be okay she's with it Han Solo. there you go yeah. oh interesting yeah it's an interesting paradox that it's, it's definitely a paradox think that starfleet would accept people to you know, be themselves and find their place within that organization. But being an organization, it requires you to fit a mold to work in that machine. Mm-hmm. And so if you're going to be this, this square peg, they're not going to find that round hole to put you in. And she's a bit of a square peg right now. Yeah. I, I'm surprised that she kept her chief science officer role and didn't get knocked down yeah. even lower than that. She's still Same. in a position of leadership. It's just well, what are they going to do? Under. Like she, they have. She has to. There's nobody else that's as qualified to be a science officer. Right. Well, like she and is, you know? and that's why Vance didn't uh, didn't put her in the brig. Mm-hmm. And I loved that he gave the he made Saru deal with it. Mm-hmm. And that is as it like, should be. Yeah. And it, besides, if the captain can't deal with his own issues, then he doesn't deserve to be a captain. It's kind of interesting. I'm starting to see some parallels between Mariner. And Michael Burnham. Hmm. There's this like borderline insubordinate nature to it. There's not being able to work under the specific guidelines and protocols of Starfleet that you have to kind of bend or break the rules to get the thing done that you want done. Very similar characters in that respect. Yeah, but that's Mariner all the time. That's yeah. not Michael all the time. That's Michael under pressure. Yeah, it's... um, I don't know. I feel like, though, that it's only Michael when the things that are most important to her are at risk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like we were talking about before with that shadow personality that comes out. Like mm-hmm. Detmer at that Thanksgiving dinner. It's like under stress, under pressure, Michael will bend or break the rules. But the motives are unquestionably Always Starfleet. For the I mean, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, we've seen this. Mm-hmm. We've seen this in many, many Star Trek characters. We just haven't really seen consequence for it yeah. very often. Kirk getting demoted to captain is like, oh yeah, of course. <laughs> we love him to be a captain. That mm-hmm. makes sense. That's a that's a happy consequence because we don't want him flying a desk as an, at an ad, as an admiral. We want him flying the Enterprise. Right. So it's like know. half the James Bond movies are about him going rogue. Mm. <laughs> it's kind of that nature is to get the thing done. You have to break away from what's restricting you from getting it done. I think this is why I have 
feelings about this episode because it just like it feel it's so unresolved. It's so unresolved, mm. you know. And yet, there's still many episodes to come. Yeah, so right. is it really unresolved? Well, for no. a week, <laughs> for, for a week, except for you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Cannot comment in any way, shape, or form, no matter how badly I want to. It's one of those things that uh, these are things that happen in real life, yeah. in different yeah. situations, and we need to examine these things and the way we view these things and the way we feel about these things. For that very reason, because it's so triggering, it's like, <laughs> it is very triggering, and that's okay. Yeah. That is okay because there are some people who need to be triggered by stuff like this, that oh, they yeah. need to face this stuff. And then there are those of us that just, you know, have our hearts broken because we understand all sides of the issues. Yeah. Right. And it's not like I'm going to just bitch about it and be like, oh, she shouldn't do that. She yeah, shouldn't be in Star She shouldn't do that. It shouldn't be like that. They shouldn't. Like, it's not like that. Like, it's I not don't black feel or that white. way about it. No. It's yeah. not black or white. Nothing all of these things can simultaneously exist. And then we have to figure mm -hmm. out what the fuck it all means. Exactly. And it's going to mean something different to every person based on your life experience, based on your environment, based on where you live even all of these things are going to have factors are going to mm -hmm. be factors in how you view this situation once again star trek always asking us the hard questions i feel like star trek is asking us even harder questions than it has before now uh-huh but and i those... think that's why it pisses a lot of people off who yeah. don't want to deal with their shit <laughs> yeah a lot of people did not like this episode and i can understand why even Admiral Vance says, if you brought this to me, I might have considered it. I might have thought the the risk was worth it. So it's that Michael did save lives. That's largely why she didn't go into the brig. But of I course, swear to that's, God, Janeway is his ancestor. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> hindsight is twenty twenty. It's like he can say that now, but would he say that then? You know, there's no way to know. Because Saru didn't elevate that concern. Mm. And so we just won't know. And that's the thing. Hindsight. We we don't know what would have been. But we also would have had a very different episode. <laughs> yeah. I like that. What you're saying. What y'all are saying is making me think like we all are so concerned with ourselves being the center of our world, you know, but that doesn't. But other people are the center of their own world, too. And our decisions affect affect other people too mm -hmm. like michael's decision affects michael's decisions affect saru and it affects the crew it affects discovery and then it affects admiral vance and the federation you know yeah so uh you know i think it's important to at this time say wear a fucking mask your actions right. have an effect right anyway yeah just thought i'd insert that in there oh yeah, yeah. and living in fear there's a difference between courage and recklessness. Mm -hmm. Courage is being aware of the danger and proceeding with caution. Recklessness is either ignoring the risk or being aware of the risk and going forward anyway despite it. There's a difference there. Mm -hmm. You're not living in fear of the virus by wearing a mask. You're living courageously by trying to protect yourself and all those around you. So take that. Yeah. Learn your golden mean. Study your Aristotle. 
Take that. Yeah. Golden mean. Mm-hmm. The Love golden mean. Yeah. Yeah. Between cowardice and recklessness is courage. And that's where you want to be. You want to be between those two extremes. I'm trying to decide if I want to talk about the thing that's going to make me cry. I right think now. it's time. Okay. It was really hard. When Brandy cries. I'm, I don't have any idea what you're about to talk about. Well, yeah, now would be the time since we're talking about the virus. Yeah. So, Saru says to Michael that he made her his first officer, possibly out of some desire to return to things as they were. But things are not as they were. And so now they have this horrible new reality that they have to accept. And it just destroyed me because that is something that we as a country have not done. We have not accepted that what came before is gone. It is gone. We cannot return to what we were pre-COVID-19. The world is a different place and has fundamentally changed. And because we won't accept that, and we keep going to parties, and we're going to have Thanksgiving with 50 people, 250,000 people are dead because of that. And it just hit me so hard. Why can't we just move forward and protect each other and come together instead of acting like it's not happening? It is happened. It has happened. And it's not going away. This is the world we live in now. And we have to refigure out our place in it. And stop making other people pay with their lives for our ignorance. Yeah, I... Sorry, it just really hit me so hard. Just such a simple couple of lines. And it just... And once again, it just shows how just being postponed, that being released right now, just every episode seems to be hitting with whatever's going on this year. It... It's I hadn't made that deep a connection just, with this episode, but I, I get that. Yeah, just the talk of you know the new normal or you know wanting to things the way they were. It's well not going to happen. I mean, even politically. This is the thing. Like I hear people talking about how I just want things to go back to normal. No, we yeah. can't go back to normal because normal wasn't working. Nope. How things were before was not working. How things were before is what led us to how things are now. Yeah. And now is when we make our choices about what we do. Right. And so, like, we can't go back. We can't go back to the way things were because that's what led us here. Mm -hmm. And there are so many people that just will not see it, will not accept it. And because yeah. of that, more people will die needlessly. And mm -hmm. that hurts me because, you know, you think of that number, 250,000. And if you were to put 250,000 people in a wide open area you would be staggered at how many people that is we can't really we can't really conceive of that unless we see it and mm -hmm. you have to realize that every single one of those people had someone that loved them someone that cared for them 
had family, had friends, and now they're gone because people right. couldn't do what was necessary to keep this virus from spreading. Right. And I'm sorry if anyone listening thinks that I am perpetuating a hoax. You know, that that is certainly your right to have that point of view. But I would beg of you that you just, even if it were a hoax, what harm does it do to you personally to wear a mask anyway? To socially distance? What harm is it really to you to protect other people? To not be responsible for someone else's death. Yeah, it's one year. It's one year of our lives, mm -hmm. basically, is what it's going to come down to. That's it. And to think that in the whole of World War II, U.S. military casualties were 407,316. This has just been one year, and we're more than half of that. We've lost more American lives in one year due to failure to meet the challenges of a virus, it's, it's ridiculous than what we'd lose in like one year of a war. It's insanity. That line the first time we watched the episode didn't land the same way. No. And I don't know if it was because I was just kind of shocked at what was happening, even though I knew it was going to happen, and I expected it the still having it happen was just jarring and so it didn't come across to me at that time but then when we rewatched it yesterday it just and i guess the subtitles do help because the screeners don't yeah, have subtitles and right so uh. seeing the words as he's speaking them just really drove it home for me and i mm -hmm. i had a really hard time getting over that it was a while and the after parallels, the episode it was yeah. over and i was still very upset Does yeah consider how many people they've lost and yeah everybody they know other than themselves have died and there, there's no going back there's no returning to what life was like before that mm -hmm. happened and there's no michael getting that year back that year that she traveled with Book, that's that's a whole other person. She's become a different person in that year. I mean, imagine imagine you after twenty twenty as to as before. You know what this year has done to all of us. We're very different people than at the start of this year, surely. Yeah, and even with like the next couple months, it's like. Mm -hmm. It feels like it's speeding up and getting worse in yeah. some ways, but yet there are still things that are better, but the amount of ignorance mm -hmm. and stupidity on so many people's parts and there's just the selfishness, yes. like, it's like, that's not going away. That hasn't gone away. It's not going to go away. And just the, the willfulness to accept a whole different reality than what is real of believing something you want to believe so badly that you will not accept the truth. And that is so dangerous. I mean, there's a reason why it's 2020, you know? Yeah. It's just, it's just, are we, are we choosing to see or yeah. not, you know? And what are we choosing to see? And then what are we choosing to I do? I feel like or? ultimately it all boils down to empathy. 
if you do not have right. empathy, then of course you're not going to care if you wear a mask. You're not thinking about mm -hmm. what anyone else might be going through. You're thinking about your own convenience and your own interests and only yours. Yeah. And I think it is also for me, it also comes down to really doing a lot of internal work and a lot of introspection and like dealing mm -hmm. with the stuff that you've got going on within yourself first, like healing from within so that you can heal outwardly and too that and help others. I mean, that's what my And that year applies has been to like, Michael. Largely. She needs to do that now. Mm -hmm. She needs right. to face mm. what is going on inside her. And she hasn't done that yet. No. Yeah, she, she, and she said it. She said, I don't know that I'm ready or I'm not really, I don't know how to be this yet. She's, she's not, she hasn't integrated all of her new experiences yet to mm -hmm. figure out who she actually is. And there were warning signs like, get your hands on that data, you know, these phrases that she uses that suggests a different kind of person than somebody who would be a Starfleet officer. Yeah. Yeah, she's and she's chomp been chomping at the bit with with when she's been interacting with the Federation yeah. when they when they met them again and had to get called out a few times on it and that's those little parts of her that are wanting to speak up and wanting to do something different. And there's a little bit of obsession too of trying to find out what was the source of the burn. And it's like that thing that she keeps getting called out on as being the responsible one, the one that takes on the weight of the world, is she's taken the responsibility of finding out what is the burn, what caused it. And it's mm -hmm. like a dog with a bone. She's just not going to let that go. And it's her mom. It's her mom, yeah. too. Well, I think that um, she was right when she told Vance that Starfleet and the Federation couldn't really start rebuilding until they knew why this happened, what happened, and why he did. He heard her. Yeah, he heard you could her see when she it said on that. his face. And yeah, so I think she's right in that regard. And the thing is, there is nothing more enticing to a scientist than a mystery that hasn't been solved. Right. So there's that part of her driving her as well. And also all those lives lost and not to have a clear reason why. Yeah. Yeah. I'm my personal feeling is that she will solve it. Or a group of you know, all of mm. them will solve it. Yeah, I feel like there's no bringing her to who she's going to be until she starts figuring out, you know, she she needs to continue mm -hmm. to figure out who she actually is now in order to get to those places. And I right? think part of her problem is is that she is trying to fit herself into the old her. She can't do that. The old her doesn't exist anymore. So she needs to find her place now with who she is now. And obviously that's not as first officer, even though she thought that it would be and that's because she's not being honest with herself yet i believe she'll get there yeah well she was a good first officer for the mission mm -hmm. to the tikov she was a good first officer when they went to trill yeah she was also a good first officer for Giorgio 
on the Shinzo. So it's not like she mm-hmm. hasn't been a first officer well, before, <laughs> but she's a different person now. Yep. Yeah, she's a good first officer until she's not. Yeah. And that's the <laughs> problem, is that there's times where she's not. Yeah. I do want to talk a little bit about the planet. I can't remember what it was called. Right. I'm just going to call it Ho-Ho. Um, How'd you like that uh, <laughs> that Orion? Um, he had a cool look to him, didn't he? He did. Yeah. I, I, uh, I liked his hair. <laughs> yeah. Did he die? Yeah. Or did he... Okay, oh, yeah. I couldn't remember. They blew up that no. whole facility. No, he oh, no, did he not die. Out. He transported oh, out. Yeah. He bamfed. Yeah. Giorgio was like, "What the hell? I was yeah. just starting." But to if enjoy he bamfed onto yeah. one of those ships, then he did die. Then he died. Oh, yeah. how about those, those uh, salvaged Federation vehicles? Yeah, that was cool. That were used by the syndicate. And how about that was a non-Caucasian Bajoran? Uh huh. That was nice. I to see. loved him. Who very sadly uh, how about how, know, met a tropey death. Yeah. How about um, Book's ship being able to reconfigure itself instead of turning Did you freak around? out? I thought that oh, yeah. was so fucking cool. The thing is, I think we saw that in like the to be seen next time. The next time on. We in the previous episode. Not fully. I no. don't remember that. We didn't Because I, I. We saw part I, of it. Yes. We saw part of it, but we didn't see the whole thing. We didn't see the context around it. The second time I watched it, I was like, okay, where are they? Where's the part where they where they are? Like the bridge area. Yeah. Because you know? no they have to be safe in that part. Yeah, I don't I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm gonna guess like that's you know, if you're looking at it head on, because like there's that part that looks like a blade and I think that they're over on the other side like that like the starboard side if you're on the ship i don't know brandy looks like she's conducting an orchestra <laughs> sorry i'm just i just um make faces now every time i freeze so that when i come back in you know that i'm here yep <laughs> so so when what did we not hear you say um, that's a good okay, question so so the the ship you know if you are on the ship right instead of like looking mm-hmm. at the ship and so like Here's this bit over here, and then there's the part that curves around this thing that looks like a blade. I think the bridge is over here. Right. So that helps Mm. nobody who's listening to it. Because it's a very non-symmetrical situation going on, you know. Sorry, Dave. Which I like. I was going to say, I think the bridge, location-wise, is similar to where the bridge of the Millennium Falcon is. It's kind of on the far right of it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Right? Yeah. That if you think of the ship being like a wedge, yeah, yes. it's at the it's far on the starboard side. Right that's end. what I think. Right, yeah, and that's if you're on the ship because yeah, that's how you determine what's starboard and what's port. Yeah, starboard right. is right, mm-hmm. port's left, mm-hmm. port is left. I remember because port has four letters and so does left. <laughs> that's how I used to remember it too. <laughs> oh, really? <Very> nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, did you see the Klingon badge in the things that Michael was looking through? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I saw a lot of I want to see Klingons. Things. Yeah. I think yeah, we we'll haven't get, seen a Klingon yet. We'll interesting. Um, yeah. I think we're disconnected from a lot yeah. of places. Yeah, but that's okay. They have a spore drive. I really loved the point, and I know that this was, you know, something that was probably expected, but seeing it still just gave me a thrill is when the slaves were starting to take fire 
and it looked like they were going to all get gunned down. And then Bookship just comes through, like, on its yeah. side, just comes through those buildings. It looked so cool, you guys. Okay, that was so Star Wars. That was <laughs> such a Star Wars shot. <laughs> but I liked it, obviously. Yes, I loved it. Well, I mean, they're ships. They're flying ships. Of course, it's going to remind us yeah. of Star Wars. Yeah. But well, I, book and book ship is very Star Wars. It is anyway. Well, and yeah. I love. But that. you know what? We have such a similar thing in like Star Trek. We don't get a lot of variety, and I like that we finally mm-hmm. are. I like that too. I like that Federation ships look different now, and that not mm-hmm. everything is so cookie cutter. I guess is the word. Yeah. Which is not really a complaint because you know we've seen some really beautiful ships over the years. Oh, yeah. Really, really beautiful. And now we're seeing a whole new class of ships, and we're seeing how far they can take their imagination in these visual effects, and I'm really enjoying that aspect of it. Self-sealing stem bolts. Yes, thank you. Mm -hmm. They reference self-sealing stem bolts. (laughs) I loved that so much. Everybody, that that was so funny. Deep Space Nine. There's this episode of Deep Space Nine where... Nog is trying to get his hands on something and he has to go through a bunch of trades trying to get this thing that he wants. I can't remember exactly. I think, what it isn't it like a baseball in. card? Something like that. And so they have these. That he wanted to get. They start uh, out Cisco? with self-sealing stem bolts and they have to keep trading oh. the trading it for different things. And they take that new thing and they trade it for something else. And then they take that and trade it for something else. And it just gets out of control but it's they have this conversation with o'brien because they're trying to get him to take the self-sealing stem bolts and he's just like i don't even know what a self-sealing stem bolt is (laughs) i kind of remember that Mm -hmm. it was so funny yeah but it's a nice deep space nine reference just thrown in there for fun yeah just connect the universe Mm -hmm. made me happy those little moments in discovery make me happy they've connected to pretty much all of the series Mm -hmm. at one point or another Oh, yeah. And I just really appreciate that, you know, just reminding us, yes, this is all in the same universe, even though Discovery is so far in the future. Well, it's it's our history, you know, and I love that they can honor all of it now. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it is. Like now that we're here, we can honor everything that came before right. because it, it is literally our history. And now it is theirs. Yeah. Uh, remember in the previous so haters, shut up. episode of this podcast when I talked about them mentioning somebody like named Cyrus or whatever? Mm-hmm. Osiris? Yeah, we get to find out who that is. It's, is o- it's Osira? Osira. Yeah. Osira. She's... Yeah, they talked about her in Die Trying. Yeah. Vance mentioned her. Yeah, she was the one who uh, basically owned that facility where everyone yep. was being worked as slave labor because they owed her a labor camp. Or yeah. I'm yeah. very curious. Oh, I think that we'll it see It sounds her so later. Greek to me, like a Greek goddess yeah. type of situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Egyptian, Osiris. But that oh, was yeah, a, yeah, yeah. That was That's, a man yeah. that got cut yeah. into many pieces, and then Isis was upset because she wanted to have a baby, and so she put him all back together long enough to climb on board and get pregnant. And <laughs> yeah, look <laughs> it up, guys. I'm not saying anything that isn't true. Mythology is weird. <laughs> Mythology is so oh, I weird. love it. So weird. I always liked Artemis. Mm. Artemis Diana, yeah. Mm-hmm. Turkish goddess. or Greek, yeah. 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 Okay, can we talk about 
Giorgio's memory. Yes, I was just going to yes. go into that. That's see, I said before that I felt like she was reliving past trauma, and I think that right. we have another point in that particular favor with oh, yeah. what she's seeing. I don't know who San is, right. but somebody who's obviously very important to her or was very important to her. Well, it means someone who's like a child, right? Like someone that you think of as a as a son doesn't mean it's someone that you think of as a... Well, yeah, but that's well, the thing is that it was, when it was in the subtitles, it was shown as a name, S-A-N, son. Uh, so, because yeah. we thought at first she was saying son, but then the second time that right. she has the flashback and we, I was looking at the subtitles and she's saying son, not son. I do have theories. Mm. A lot of people have theories. You know, I had theories, but I think they've been proven wrong. Oh, because you've seen the next episode? <laughs> no, because of watching, rewatching this one and picking. Because mm. it's all when you don't have subtitles, it's all frenetic, and you're not sure what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. Right. I thought this was Prime Universe's Flippa's memories of getting stabbed. That it was her own body that was stabbed, and I thought it was like this quantum commingling. And thank you, Randy, oh, for reminding me of that name that word that because she's been in the prime universe so long and because there wasn't a swap of the two persons that mm. one moved to the other without the, them trading spaces that possibly the mirror universe Giorgio was experiencing the memories of the prime universe Giorgio but well, that's, that's very been turnabout debunked. intruder of you it, yeah, I think it would have been interesting. You know, that would have been an interesting storyline to uh, to explore, but that's not the case. Well, we saw the the um, badge of the Empire too. Yeah, the Terran Empire. I the first thing I thought when she said "son," I don't know for some reason I went to Connor Danby, the one that Michael killed mm-hmm. on the Shenzhou when he tried to take over, and I'm like, oh, maybe because I just really like the actor Sam Bartholomew and. Uh, yeah. Like, he's super cute. I'm like, oh, well, maybe she thought she found out that Michael killed him. And so she maybe Giorgio saw Danby at as uh, or Danby Connor as a son or something like that. But that's that's no longer applicable. I feel like, like I said, I feel like it's a repressed memory. And I feel like this particular memory is instrumental in how she became what she is. Right. And I don't know why yet. Do you think that it is Mirror Burnham related? I think so, because after she has this memory, she's very cold towards Michael. And when Michael's like, trust me, I trusted Michael before. I don't think this is about Michael at all. I think uh, whatever this memory is, that it happened a lot longer ago than right. before she even knew Michael existed. Yeah, I'm excited like they about this. Might have done some digital de aging mm. on her I, I for feel, that flashback. Yeah, she looked different in the flashback, yeah. so I really feel like uh. this is something from much earlier in her life. Mm. And. You know, this this is these are just my feelings. I don't right. have all the information, obviously. So but this is just how I feel right now with the evidence with which I've been presented. I like it. Yeah, don't I, you I'm mention I'm very excited about this mm-hmm. uh, mystery. 
to me that you suspect that maybe this son person was her son mm -hmm. or something and that mm -hmm. Michael might have been a replacement yeah. to fill well, that hole. We know that Giorgio had children because she right. says to, I believe, oh, yeah, yeah. if I remember correctly, Lorel, that if she hadn't had someone to nursemaid her children, she would never have gotten anything done. Right, right. right. So we know huh. she's had actual children. Interesting. And I just feel like something triggered this evil, that she became mm. this evil because of what happened to this San person. I feel like that was the turning point, that she went on a rampage. Yeah, it's already kind of a default for Terrans, it seems, mm. to lean towards evil actions. Yeah. Like their response to the Vulcans with first contact. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's hard to say. There's just a yeah. lot that we still don't know. But that's where I feel like this might be going as of right now. Right. Uh, what do we think about the explosive collar thing? Like the little implants that blow up your head? You know. Well, I was actually... It happened. <laughs> it happened. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's not like it's not been used before, and I think that right. that's why some people were upset with this episode, because they're like, oh, we've seen this before. Well, guess what? You've actually seen everything before. It's <laughs> all been done. Sun. Yeah, it's all been done. It's just in how you remix it and present it in a different circumstance. Right. And yeah. in this instance, it was a demonstration of what lengths Michael will go to for book and for more information about the burn. And, of course, being the person that she is, if she sees injustice, she's going to fix it. Mm -hmm. And she does. She and Giorgio both do it, which I found very interesting. Yeah, it's all very much a prison break kind of A plot. Mm -hmm. Very action-oriented. It uh, it reminded me a little bit of, my God, was it Running Man that I'm thinking of? Yeah, there's a yeah. little bit of Running Man in there. Uh. There's also this Rudger Hauer, Mimi Rogers movie called Wedlock, Deadlock, in which they have the collars, but they're linked to one another. And so it's like the defiant ones where they have to escape together or they'll blow up if they go a certain distance from one another. And it's been used in other cases, too, like Hunger Games kind of has this quality to it as well. And then there's, uh, like, that group of raiders in Fallout 3 that have their whole slave city, and they go out yeah. and put, you know, capture people and put collars on them and sell them into slavery. And then they did that in uh, Fallout 4 as well. When they yeah. took over Nuka World, That's uh, that means nothing to anyone who hasn't played Fallout 4. Right. But yeah, it it's 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 a trope and it's been used a lot. It's an effective trope and it comes across as when like if you're a game master, like or or a dungeon master and you do a lot of role playing, eventually you kind of you know, the stories might start to run thin and you'll grab that one because it's a really good, cool, tense story and it's fun, but it's one that that's used a lot. And I think people might have responded poorly to that. I didn't hate it, but I wasn't exactly overjoyed at seeing, you know, a, a plot that's been used that frequently before. Yeah, but it's not like every episode is like that. Mm -hmm. So it no. didn't really bother me in that right. sense. Yeah, that didn't bother me either because we got to see 
new ways that books ship works. Yeah, and and it serves the plot because she's there specifically to f- get this black box to find out about the burn, but she's also there to rescue book. And there's that developing romance between them that we get resolved at the end of this episode too, which is a nice touch. You know, that's showing that they do have feelings for one another. So yeah, there's there's reasons for them to do this. And it also serves the whole syndicate storyline. Yeah, and I know there are people who are just like, I didn't want a romance. Well, honestly, I think that this is really important for Michael's development. Because her first real relationship, it was very traumatic. And right. for her to be able to reach out and connect with someone else in that way even after all that trauma that she went through, that is really important and that shows growth for her. Yeah, I was just thinking too, like she it, she actually had to leave Discovery. She had to leave her life in order to find that. Mm-hmm. So like she for that year, she left the life that she knew. She had to. Yep. And that's what led her to find love. So now that she has both back her old life and now she has love in her life, this changes her trajectory. Well, this also brings up the whole weird decision thing. And this is the story of El Cid is all about this is do you follow your love or do you follow your duty? Because it's basically got to be one or the other. At least that's usually the way they're paired off is either you do the thing for love or you do the thing for duty. and You can't do both. Uh, Romeo and Juliet is about that. Do you do the things for Juliet because you love her or do you follow your family's duty? Duty, please. Yep, so duty. So yeah, Michael is caught between those two things. And once again, you know, she's in this weird nebulous space where she doesn't know exactly where she fits in. Okay, I like this episode more now. (laughs) (laughs) After talking with y'all, after talking it through with, after working through it with both of you. (laughs) Oh yeah, there's a lot of deep stuff going on. Yeah, And that you, it got an emotional reaction out of you. So that's at least something. I mean, even if it's mm-hmm. if, even if it's anger or or frustration, it's still a response, and good art should do that. Yeah. Also, it's episode six, so we're like, you know, we're almost halfway done with the mm-hmm. season. So, like, this is an episode which is throwing a lot into the mix now, right? And now they have to unravel things and tie things up and discover. You know, this is a this is one of those episodes. It's like a hump. Yeah. I feel like. Yeah, dark night of the soul. I think that's called in uh, screenwriting mm. or storytelling. But I think we're forgetting one thing about this episode. What's that? Tilly and Grudge. Tilly and Grudge. Oh. What a great moment. I was almost going to open with that. <laughs> I don't like you. <laughs> not being a cat person, like, sure, sure, you're not a cat person. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't buy it. Mm-mm. Yeah. I don't buy that. Probably because Mary Wiseman loves cats. She has a cat. I mean, <laughs> obviously she loves, yeah, she's obviously a cat person in yeah. IRL. She, she I've knows, been around people that don't like cats and yeah. Yeah, she knows how to pick up a cat, so. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Climbing on our back, that was great. And you know. I like jumping that, off, going under the bed. Yeah. And all of those things, just, I'm pretty sure that they just had to go with whatever the cat wanted to do because mm-hmm. you can't force a cat to do anything. And especially a Maine Coon, like. Oh, right. Yeah. Come on. Mm-hmm. I think partially that was also Tilly being upset because she knew if Grudge was there that Michael wasn't. Right. And she was not happy about that. Oh, either. yeah. 
Michael left Grudge for Tilly to be responsible for. Mm-hmm. God, Michael. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's fine. Tilly will take care of her. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't even have to say anything. Honestly, um, why did the cat need to stay on Discovery? Yeah. Yeah, why not take the cat with them? Because... Well, if anything happened, Book would never forgive Michael. How about Michael reverse engineering the little cat finder (laughs) to find Book? That was a nice touch. And it kept meowing every time she turned it on. Yeah, this little, like, holographic image of of Grudge would pop up and it would meow. Mm -hmm. Meow. Okay, this is a good episode. So it was fun. Because the second time we watched that, I noticed that, and each time it happened, I'd meow along with it. Mm -hmm. Meow. Yep. Yeah, so I I understand people's negative feelings towards it. I personally don't have them yeah. in the same way. And whatever feelings that I do have are all things that are feelings for the characters. I'm not upset with the plot. I'm not upset with the decisions that were made. I'm not upset with the writing. It's it's just, yeah. you know, there we're, there's a story being told. And this is that chapter of the story where things look like they're about to fall apart and you can't wait to see how it's all going to work out. It's just because it gave me conflicting feelings that Mm -hmm. I didn't know what to do with. And that's okay. That's it. You know, that's life. Life is resolving conflicting feelings. And even the labor camp, it's still world building. Mm -hmm. They're still showing what the syndicate is capable of and how evil they are yeah and so it gives you a foil you know it it raises them up and shows that yeah there are stakes regarding this enemy yeah all i can say is tendy would be so disappointed because Mm. tendy Tendy. yeah because you know they were finally starting to get out of being slavers but here we are yeah. Uh, yeah. the emerald whatever the hell it was called what was it called the emerald chain yeah yeah mm-hmm. they're just well, doing the same old same old the andorians too though because isn't it a, a co-part like a partnership between the orions and the andorians well we've seen, seen what some, the syndicate is we've seen some of them together yeah but we've seen more orions than we have andorians right yeah. So yeah. I feel like it's not necessarily. <clears throat> I don't feel like the Emerald Chain is all inclusive of all Endorians. And Emerald being green mm-hmm. suggests that it's mostly Orion's behind the whole thing. Yeah, that's how I feel about it. Mm, so. Interesting. Yeah, because you kind of expect Klingons to be involved somehow, but we haven't seen them. But we saw the badge, which yeah. is foreshadowing to me. Mm-hmm. I'm taking that as foreshadowing. Well, of course right. we're going to check in with the Klingons at some point. Yeah. We yeah. have to. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we, we have, what, eight, <laughs> seven episodes to go? Is that right? Well, seven left. It is somewhat refreshing because I know some people do tire of the Klingons after a while. Because, you know, they they do heavily rely on them in each mm. series. I am not and, one of those people yeah. that tires of Klingons. No. That I I I understand that 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 feels a, a bit fair, but I guess it just depends yeah. because I think that <laughs> Discovery gave me a greater appreciation for Klingons mm. than I have had in the past. Well, it's hmm. a bit like Doctor Who and the Daleks. It's like they're such a great enemy, and then people want to use them, but then you can easily overuse them. But then if you don't use them, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. 
because <laughs> Star Trek and Klingons, I mean, they're one and the same. So eventually, we're gonna have to see how they're doing in the yeah. They're the, like the original the baddie, yeah. you know, yeah. or that's how they were. That's how they were created, right? Yep. Mm, right. Anything else we can think to say? I have one thing yes. that I'd oh. like to shout out. That I just like to mention that Giorgio makes a Baby Jessica McClure reference from October 1987 from Baby Jessica that fell down the well. Oh wow, you're right. Mm-hmm. I. I, I mean, I actually recognized that when it happened, and then I forgot about it. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's actually a sad story, what happened to the family and the people involved afterwards right. in real life. But oh, yeah. yeah, I just thought it was interesting that they threw that in there, because mm-hmm. she was 18 months old, I believe, so mm-hmm. she was almost two, was in, was in the well for like 58 hours or something, and thus mm-hmm. began the dawn of twenty the 24-hour news cycle, mm-hmm. constant coverage. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it plagues us to this day, the 24-hour yeah, I think sure the story of the guy that yeah. actually went down the well to rescue her, too. That's a sad story, too. That's I a recall. really sad story. Well, yeah. her parents divorced. Mm-hmm. He 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 took his own life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, yeah. She's doing pretty good, though. She doesn't remember the, the experience at all. Right. Good for her, because I have memories of when I went through a traumatic experience when I was 18 months old. And mm-hmm. I wish I didn't have those memories, and then I wouldn't be afraid of needles. But here we are. Right. Well. Awkward. Well. <laughs> Awkward. Yeah, this hasn't been a laugh riot of an episode, has it? That's okay. Yeah, like, it doesn't I don't know. Funny. It's okay. It's, no mushroom references. Yeah, and plus, you know, I'm just over... Well, I'm always... My emotions are always turned up to 11, but today is... Right well beyond that for both physical and mental reasons yeah mm. this year tasks you it tasks you and i shall have him <laughs> <laughs> you had to set me up you know i'm gonna do it um oh heck yeah yeah oh hell yeah i had a i had someone once tell me because i posted this face Book picture. Well, it was a picture I posted on Facebook many moons ago. It was an extreme close up of my eyes. And one of my friends said, Are those your real eyes? I'm like, Yeah. Why would you ask that? And he's like, They look like the Matara Nebula. (laughs) (laughs) I just started laughing. Oh my God. Because my eyes are two different colors. Because one's one's more green and one's more hazel because there's more gold in one than there is in the other. And, I mean, my eyes are just weird. They're like a calico cat up in there. Right. So, it's, uh, I'm just like, okay, so I have Mutara Nebula eyes. I'm down with that, actually. Yeah, my eyes change color. They're kind of hazily, but they'll be green if I'm happy, blue if I'm sad, and gray if I'm in a weird mood, usually angry. And, mm. actually, I found yep. out that all eyes are brown is just how they refract light that uh, makes them look like right. they're different yes. colors. Which is funny because how you reflect light is what gives some things color, which is the odd thing. So yeah, Bizarre. it's all about the visual light spectrum of electromagnetic energy. And mm. and this is why in certain light, people that you've known to have blue eyes or green eyes or something like that look like they have brown eyes because that's actually the mm-hmm. color of everyone's eyes. Yeah, because all eyes are pigmented with melanin, which is a brown pigment. Mm-hmm. So all eyes are brown. Mm-hmm. This has been uh, Eye Corner. <laughs> I'm just going to edit that out. 
<laughs> All right. So any final thoughts, gentlemen? I'm ready for the next episode. Yeah, I think you'll really enjoy the next episode and oh, it'll sh- be a nice carryover from what we've seen in this one. I want to talk about it so badly. I can't tell yeah. you. This is, I mean, no, I've had. A, it's just a week. I know. I've had a hard time keeping my mouth shut about other episodes, but this is a whole new level of having a hard time yeah. keeping you, my mouth shut. Yeah, you've been a li- I wouldn't say that you've dropped juicy danglers, but you've, <laughs> you've done a little bit of nudging. Just a little Have bit. I? Nudging so, danglers. Nudging danglers? Nudging danglers. <laughs> Nudgy danglers. Tell me how I did that nudglers? so that I could nudglers. actually. Well, you edit told that me out. to be prepared for like emotions. Oh, okay. Stuff, yeah. Well, that's not really a spoiler, so. No. I'm just yeah. saying, have tissue no. available. Uh, yeah, just have <laughs> tissue ready, because it's a very touching episode. Mm-hmm. It'll touch you in the feelings. Mm-hmm. As for final thoughts, I think I addressed everything I intended to talked about the prison planet and other themes and such such and where michael is where saru is so uh and yeah i really like the stamets adira relationship and look forward to see how that develops i'm still totally shipping bryce and reese (laughs) yeah Brice. Brice. well that's uh unfortunately one time when we were Back in the olden days when Liam and Nick and I were doing the edge, Liam accidentally called them rice and breeze. And now I can't. Rice and now I have to think yeah. about it every time right before I say one of their names. I'm like, is it breeze? Okay, it's breeze because I, I want to say rice and breeze now. I've been forever ruined. Thanks, Liam. <laughs> uh, we had no Jet Reno in this episode, did we? No, we did not. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. That's okay. She got her eh. snacks. She's fine. Yeah, and I know they record around her schedule, you know, because yeah. she's busy doing other things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's the thing. She gets to show up when she wants to do her thing. Mm-hmm. She, yeah. uh, if you guys haven't listened to her episode of the pod directive, I highly recommend it because she's a delight. But mm-hmm. then I've loved Tignotaro for a very long time. Oh, yeah. So. All right, then. I guess uh, we should tell people where they can find us. So let's start with you, Dave. Okay, you can find me at Dark Corner Cast when I'm not interrupting my wife. Um, that's me over it. at Twitter. Uh, you can find me on Facebook under DJ Evil Dave uh, when I link music there. Uh, you can hear me and Brandy on the Dark Corner Podcast on darkcornerpodcast.com, where you can also find Brandy's podcast when she records it, when she doesn't have, what, five other shows to do? Six. <laughs> Three of which she's recording tomorrow. Six? Three Six. tomorrow. Three right. tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the head cannon that's over there. And also links to various Trek shows, including the live shows, are over on darkcornerpodcast.com excellent mr christopher d littlefield where are your places i just like to say that was very soothing dave the way that you said that yes well when i'm not interrupting dave's wife you can find me on twitter and instagram at cd littlefield and you can follow my other shows open channel at open channel trek and there are four questions at four questions trek and that's the number four not spelled out and that's it. Oh, and I was a guest on a strange new pod this week, so you can check that out if you want to. Oh, that was cool. fun. I'll have to check that out. 
I'm going to put in my FM 100 voice, also known as my radio DJ voice. Uh, when I'm not being interrupted, you can find me in these places. <laughs> you can also find me here on the Hollow Sweet Media Network doing Boldly Go, a Star Trek Strange New Worlds podcast with my wonderful friend Suzanne, who also makes amazing, amazing stained glass art. And if you haven't seen it, go on over to her Etsy store, which is under Stained Sass, or look her up on Twitter, also under at Stained Sass, and have a look at her wares, because they are magnificent. Mine have been shipped, and I am awaiting their arrival with bated breath. You can also find me on the Vedic Assembly with my good friends Liam and Nick, where we talk about Deep Space Nine. I also do two live shows because I just don't have enough to do, I guess. So you can see me on Saturday on two different live shows. At 1 p.m. Mountain Time, there's Infinite Trek with my friend Aaron Harvey, where we talk about all things Trek, but are currently definitely covering Discovery, of course. And then at 7 p.m. Mountain Time on Saturday, you can find me doing The Unready Room with my friend Dan. And you can find that on his YouTube channel, Kurt Ratz Productions, where we also are currently talking about Star Trek Discovery. I did forget to mention that on Infinite Trek, you can find us on the Outpost 13 channel on Twitch, and it will be released as an audio podcast on the Trek Geeks Network. Those are all the places you can currently find me. So I think all that's left to say at this time is thank you for joining us. Sorry about my temper. And join us next <laughs> week for What the Future Holds. That voice is why I largely married her. <laughs> well, that's good to know. It's why I want to marry her. <laughs> well, you know, I'm not into um, bigamy because that is illegal here. <laughs> This show is brought to you by Holosuite Media. Computer, list other available Holosuite Media programs. Loading Holosuite Preview Program for Boldly Go, a Star Trek Strange New Worlds podcast. It's too much effort and I'm busy. I gotta get this done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had stuff to do. He had logs to plant. He had a ship to take over. He had an entire plot to uh, to fill out and make everyone think that he needed to have a trial for mutiny <laughs> because that will distract everyone long enough for them to get to Talos Four. He's busier than Prince Humperdinck. Loading Hollowsweet Preview Program for Star Pod Trek, a podcast exploring Gene Roddenberry's vision of the future.
So we're seeing that the early Star Trek conventions were were a nice balance between science fiction and real world science. And that was cool because that, because a lot of uh, Star Trek fans are interested in science, and a lot of, and I mean all of those um, science guests that were there probably were Star Trek fans, and and they they probably even said that that they got into to science because of their love of Star Trek. Loading Hollow Sweet Preview Program for the Vedic Assembly. A Deep Space Nine podcast. We don't know what that Cardassian technology is, but it could, yeah. Do we need to know? No, nah. we don't need to okay, know. Just some bit of self-stealing, self-sealing stem bolts. Yes, it wants those self-sealing stem bolts. And <laughs> Somebody wants them. <laughs> because self-sealing, you guys. Yes. I mean, it's not just a regular stem bolt. <laughs> I don't know why you don't get why these are so valuable. Okay. Computer, deactivate Holosuite.